It's Midday Magazine for Friday, February 16th. I'm Shelby Herbert. Petersburg's Teachers Union is negotiating a new contract with the school district. Both the union and the district say that years of flat education funding from the state is making the negotiations more complicated this year. And as KFSK's Hannah Flora reports, they're worried about the effects that lack of funding will have on the quality of education the district can provide. The Petersburg School District negotiates new contracts with its teachers once every three years. The last time, the two groups agreed to a 1% increase per year. Alice Kumps is the president of the Associated Teachers of Petersburg. We didn't know at that time that our... um cost of living expenses were going to go up, that inflation was going to be so high, but we were locked into that rate. Now, Kump says salaries at the school district are lower than most across the state. Kumps didn't give specifics as to what teachers are asking for this time around, since they're still actively in negotiations. We're really just asking for um, a fair, fair wage increase. Um, fair salary schedule. Kump says this year the negotiations are more complicated than usual because the school district has so little money to work with. She says that's because of flat state education funding. The state's base student allocation, which is essentially the funding for each student in a district, hasn't increased since 2017. She says the teachers union understands the position that the district is in. We do recognize that that the district has limited funds. Kump says the union is concerned about the effects the lack of funding could have on the district. Regardless of whether or not we get a pay increase, we are worried that we will be looking at cutting programs. So whether that means cutting teachers or cutting programs that our students um, are used to having in our communities, those are, those are always questions that we are going to be faced with when, when we don't get the funding that we need. School board president Sarah Holmgrain is working on the negotiations with the teachers' union. She says the lack of funding from the state is a huge problem. She says if things don't change, eventually the district will have to cut programs and teachers. The worst case scenario I see happening is you're starting cutting specific programs that aren't required. So you can go down the list of what classes in the middle school and high school that aren't required in order to graduate. In the elementary school, what are not required by state or federal law. Right now we have class sizes anywhere from 15 to 20 kids. That could look very different when you have one teacher per grade instead of two. She says years of flat funding from the state have created these problems. A lot of these concerns could be solved if the legislature did their job and went around the governor. Just said, we got the votes. You can say what you want, but this is what our districts need, despite what your personal vendetta is against public education. Last year, the House and Senate agreed to one-time funding equivalent to a $680 per student increase. Governor Mike Dunleavy vetoed half of that increase. This year, advocates for local school districts are asking for an increase of more than $1,400. The district also receives funding from the Petersburg Borough. The state caps the amount each municipality is allowed to give a school district. The borough has never funded the school district to that cap. Last year was the first time in more than 20 years that the school district asked for and received a funding increase from the Petersburg Borough Assembly. The borough gave the district $3 million, up from $1.8 million in previous years. Holmgren says that this year, the district plans to ask for the current maximum amount of $3.4 million. I think they've been really good about 
going over our budget and seeing how little wiggle room we have. I don't doubt for a second that there'll be lots of questions because that's their job. Their job is to make sure that they're being good stewards of the money that they're turning around and giving to the school district. Holmgren says that while education funding problems are complicated, the district's negotiation with the Associated Teachers of Petersburg has not been contentious. You know, we both have the same goal in mind. So I think um, I'm not too worried about that at all. Petersburg Borough Assembly and the Petersburg School Board have a school budget work session scheduled for February 29th. There is no deadline for the teachers' negotiation. In Petersburg... I'm Hannah Floor. The Sitka School Board has approved a new three-year contract with the union representing the community's teachers. The deal includes catch-up raises for the Sitka Education Association, which voluntarily held salaries flat during leaner times in the district. Robert Woolsey reports. Sitka's teachers will see a raise of 6% next year and 4% each of the next two years under the terms of their new contract. The district budget for next year is far from settled. Interim Superintendent Steve Bradshaw, who was the district's lead negotiator, told the Sitka School Board on February 7th that teachers had done their part in recent years and it was time to adjust their pay. Some people are going to question the wisdom of the superintendent and the board when we start going through the budget process like we have, but the teachers in the school district deserve a good raise. Sitka teachers took no pay raise in 2017 and agreed to increases of only a few hundred dollars in the next two years. In 2022, after a month-long negotiating impasse, teachers agreed to an unusual two-year contract as a hedge against then-rampant inflation. The deal included a raise of only 2% in its second year. Bradshaw said many of the changes to the contract were just in language, but there was one significant additional expense. The district was increasing its contribution to the teachers' retirement plans by $500. Through 2006, Alaska teachers received a state pension consisting of a large percentage of their former salaries, plus lifetime health benefits. Tier 1 retirement, as it was called, has long since been replaced by a savings program called Tier 3. Bradshaw said that when the state moved away from Tier 1, school districts lost an important incentive for new teachers. When they changed that 16 years ago, uh, that took that away. On top of it, the teachers in this state have lost ground, are now behind the state of Washington and Oregon in teaching salaries. So you can't offer them more money and you can't offer them a better retirement system. How are you going to recruit the best? The Alaska State Senate has just passed a bill that would partially restore Tier 1 benefits, but its major detractor is the one person who can single-handedly block it. Governor Dunleavy, unironically, is a former teacher and Tier 1 retiree. In a press conference on February 7th, he said new teachers nowadays would probably prefer cash. Full disclaimer, I'm a Tier 1 retiree. I was a teacher. But younger folks appear to be less interested in that. The Sitka School Board did not debate the issue. Board President Tristan Gavon said district staff had done yeoman service over the past few very difficult years. He suggested that even with a healthy raise, Sitka teachers were an exceptional value. Teachers, I think, inevitably are going to probably do a little bit more than they're paid for, but we should strive as a district to to compensate all of their labor. So for me, that's really what it's about. It's about fair pay and benefits, 
um, and then the ability to retain and recruit the best and to provide the best education to our students, which really starts with um, teachers and our staff working in the buildings and the classroom. Under the terms of the deal, a starting teacher with a bachelor's degree will earn nearly $58,000. A teacher with a master's degree and at least 15 years experience will earn just over $92,000. The three-year contract for Sitka's teachers will be in effect through June of 2027. The school board unanimously approved the agreement. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. While former President Donald Trump continues to tighten his grip on the Republican Party, U.S. Senator Lisa Murkowski made clear in her annual speech to the Alaska legislature that she's immune to that force field. She urged state legislators to put Alaska before party. As the elections approach, there's going to be pressure to show whether you're with the Republicans or with the Democrats, with probably very little in between. So let's show the country that sure, we've got our differences. We will always have our policy differences, but we can figure out ways to work through them. Murkowski's moderation aggravates some in the Alaska Republican Party. The party has censored her, and Trump endorsed her right-wing opponent in the 2022 election. But for her annual address to the legislature, Murkowski didn't budge from the center. Senator Murkowski offered high praise for Congresswoman Mary Peltola, even though Peltola is a Democrat and she's running for re-election this year. Murkowski credited her with helping to persuade the Biden administration to close a loophole that allowed Russian seafood into the American market. And Mary helped push that with the administration. She's also working tirelessly to educate her House colleagues about issues like fisheries and resources in Alaska. She may be one of 435, but she stands out and she too is making a difference for Alaska. Senator Murkowski also reiterated her disappointment that Senate Republicans sank a border security measure this month, as Trump urged them to do. And she emphasized her support for aid to Ukraine and other allies, an issue that divides congressional Republicans. Senator Murkowski called both President Biden and Trump deeply flawed candidates. She told reporters after the speech that she hopes Nikki Haley can defy the odds to become the Republican nominee for president. Senator Dan Sullivan is scheduled to make his address to the legislature next Wednesday. You can find a link to Senator Murkowski's address on our website, kfsk.org. Communities across the country are trying to cut down on plastic. For some, they've nixed plastic grocery bags. In a place as wet and rainy as Ketchikan, though, plastic bags are still popular as ever. As Jack Darrell reports, one grocery store is trying to collaborate with local artists and culture bearers to create a reusable option that is uniquely Southeast Alaskan. Kutskit Kilgungung. Kutskit Kilgungung. Michelle Eekman, the manager of the grocery store Alaskan and Proud and a Haida interpreter, is reading a Hodkill phrase on a reusable grocery bag. It's a bag she helped to create. And the phrase means taste is important. Hadkil is the language of the Haida people. There's a lot um, that does not translate today. Um, you know, we didn't have those words back then. And um, there is a large group that is working on 
translating current phrases and words. The original phrase she was going for was taste matters, but there's no direct translation. So she worked with local Haida elder Dolores Churchill, the only living native or fluent Hodkill speaker in the United States to come up with the phrase. Klingit and Simsian Samogyik phrases expressing similar sentiments are all over the bag as well. Ekman says if people see more of these languages in their daily lives, who knows? Maybe they'll want to take a class. So um, they say that uh, people who know who they are are at lower risk of um, any kind of abuse, whether that be substances. When people know their language, it brings them to another level to where they feel more comfortable and confident. Alaskan and Proud, or A&P, has two locations in Ketchikan and one in Thorn Bay on Prince of Wales Island. Ben Williams is the franchise's owner. He says 100% of the proceeds of the bags will go to high school sports programs in Ketchikan, Metlakatla, Thorn Bay, Klawak, and Heidelberg. Part of the goal is to reduce plastic. You know, it's raining outside. It's Alaska. You, you can't use paper bags. They would fall apart. So plastic bags is always going to be a part of transferring goods. The other problem, Williams says, is a relatable one. Well-meaning people buy reusable grocery bags and then forget them at home. But if we can create what I'm hopeful for are nicer, reusable bags or ones that people are more proud of or people remember to take into the store, I am hoping that we can reduce the plastic uh, consumption in this area. Williams says to create the bag's design, he turned to the Ketchikan Area Arts and Humanities Council, who referred him to Kevin Clevenger, a local artist and Simpson Carver. Clevenger says when he heard the proceeds for the bags were going to local high school sports programs, he was on board. He based the bag's design on a Bentwood box, the deftly carved and crafted cedar storage boxes traditionally used by the tribes of the Northwest Coast. Our Clinket, Haida, and Simpson people, all, all of us, we stored everything in Bentwood boxes. Uh, everything from storage of food, like salmon, everything, all our food was stored in it. Everything to food to our regalia. And so I thought it was just fitting to do a Bentwood box design. What Clevenger came up with was an intricate design of a human form in the traditional red, black, and white. And it also features an allusion to a familiar figure for Haida and Simpson. It's a real abstract um, design of a figure in our culture called Mousoman. Uh, Mousoman is an elderly wise woman that helps people with the device. AMP says that if all goes as planned, total proceeds from the bags should total $25,000. In Ketchikan, I'm Jack Darrell. For KFSK, I'm Shelby Herbert.